19 to 14 is your final score for the preseason week one game. Welcome to the Stripe Pipe All Day Podcast. I'm your host, Blake June. Joined alongside me are my two co-hosts, William James and Nathan Amston. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm moving and grooving. I, I'm enjoying my day win after day, whatever it's called. I'm I'm just happy. Didn't you say the same exact thing in the last podcast? No, because that wasn't a day after win. No, I'm talking about the moving and grooving. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. Still moving and grooving? No, I listened. Well, this is awkward. (laughs) We need more enthusiasm from you guys. Be more excited. The Bengals won. I mean, it's a preseason game. I am very excited, and Nathan's trying to kill my buzz. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so like I said, 19-14, to 14, the Bengals defeat the Super Bowl 55 champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we're going to recap each position, talk about uh, how each player performed, and I think this is going to be a, uh, a weekly post-game thing after every, every, po- after every game. We're going to have a bit of a little post-game podcast, I guess. And so let's go ahead and review our thoughts on what has happened throughout um, the preseason game. Of course, we'll start out with the quarterbacks, Brendan Allen, Kyle Shermer, each. Allen got the majority of the snaps in the first half, and of course, Kyle Shermer got the majority of the snaps uh, maybe, maybe near the end of the second quarter and the second half as well. Um, Kyle Shermer, 12 uh, completions for 19 attempts, 108 yards, one interception. Brandon Allen, I believe one interception as well. Yes, with 77 yards. So uh, pretty solid outing for both. Both had a pretty key turnover in the game. Kyle Shermer's interception ended up, of course, becoming a pick six. And Allen's came off of a uh, pick from Hagen, who ended up fumbling uh, right after. But um, what were your guys' thoughts on their performances and how did you guys think each player played? Well, I was, um, for this game, I actually had a flight time at about the same time, so I couldn't really watch all of it. I had to, you know, pop it in here and there after security, before security, at the gates, waiting for the flight. Um, unfortunately, my flight was delayed by like two hours, so I got the last half in, or halfway through the third and then to the end, but um, I didn't really watch... I think QBs specifically, you got to watch the whole product to make it a, a good evaluation. So I won't, I won't throw my two cents in here. Well, I thought Brandon Allen played fairly well. I think first play of the game, there's a screen to Mixon where it was just completely off target. And my first thought was, okay, Burrow would have completed that. But we know Burrow is better than Brandon Allen. We're not going to sit here and talk about that. Um, you know, He did what he had to do. The drives didn't really lead to points because there was some fumbling issues, which, again, really aren't his fault. All you can do is complete the pass. What happens after is not up to you. Um, so I'd probably give him, like, a, a B for this game. The interception, to be fair to Brandon Allen, well, it was a bad read in the first place, but to be fair, it was a fantastic play uh, with the Bucks defender, I don't know his name, just skied up, tipped it with one hand, brought it down, and then, of course, fumbled right into Mike Thomas's hands. So that was an incredible play. So, I mean, was it a bad read? Yes. Was the pick all his fault? Not really. Kyle Shermer, I, I really wasn't getting jiggy with what I saw. He had one big throw to, uh, it might have been Trent Taylor. It was side. Trenton Irwin. There we go. Thank you. Um, and it was called back for a hold. Outside of that, he really didn't show me much. Um, the pick was a, a really bad throw to pick six. Um, there was a third down in the red zone where he had a bad throw to Auden Tate. 
but we got bailed with a questionable flag call, but we take those around these parts. Sherman, I'll probably give him like a a C maybe. He didn't wow me, but he didn't make me think this guy's terrible. Although, I'm not going to lie, if a better QB3 came into question, I would definitely take it. Yeah, uh, apparently Eric Dungy was not traveling with the team to Tampa Bay, so we did not get to see the fourth quarterback on the roster. But, uh, of course, Brendan Allen played mainly for, of course, for the entirety of the first team as well as the second team. And Shimmer, for the most part, participated with the third team. So uh, I thought both quarterbacks were kind of comparable. Um, Both of them didn't really, you know, when it came to short passes, they were normally on target and correct, but uh, did have occasional misses. And of course, both had interceptions. One of them looking a little bit worse than the other. I really thought Brennan Allen's interception wasn't entirely his fault. It was just bad positioning by Mike Thomas. Um, But overall, I think that both of them were pretty comparable. Um, The main difference is Brennan Allen facing as much different competition, of course, going against the first and second team of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I'll give Allen the edge uh, in this QB battle, but I will say Kyle Schreiber did not perform uh, too bad from what I was expecting. We haven't really seen him play in a long time. He isn't. I don't think he's. Ble- I believe he's not played a snap in like 700 days in the NFL. So uh, this is his first chance, I guess, back on the field. And uh, I thought he performed pretty solid from what uh, we asked him to do. All things considered, you know, you're not expecting too much from a QB three. So um, not complaining too bad about him at all. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the running backs here. Uh, of course, Samaj P. Ryan, uh, Joe Mixon were the primary guys in the first team. Neither of them really did too much. Um, as you mentioned, Mixon had one reception, I believe. Um, no, he did not. <laughs> he did not have a, I believe the, uh, that was the screen that was off target. Yeah. He should oh, have. Correct. Okay. Yeah, Mixon had one carry for uh, three yards. Um, so IJP Ryan had three carries for five yards and a fumble. Um, but the two main MVPs of this game, I would say, are both Chris Evans and Jack West Patrick. Evans came in with the second team uh, and had a, a 12 rushes for 25 yards and a touchdown, along with three recep- or four receptions for 33 yards, uh, while Jack West Patrick led all rushers with 15 carries for 71 yards um, and uh, zero targets, so uh, no catches there. But both of them had fantastic performances and was just a really strong game from the running back core in general. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like Patrick and Evans fit their mold exactly, like to a T. You know, coming in, Jaquez Patrick is this big, you know, run it down the middle type guy. You know, I joked around with everybody during the um game that he's kind of like a Derrick Henry light. Obviously not, but um, because you know he's probably not going to make the team, but still. He he showed exactly that prototype throughout the game, especially in the fourth quarter, shaking off two big runs to protect the lead and milk down the clock. I thought he was very good on the ground. Chris Evans on he was iffy in the run game, but in the pass game is where he really showed. Statistically, nothing impressive, but he did what it, what we've been hearing throughout camp, you know, in the training camp through the practices. We've been hearing about his receiving upside and his receiving ability. That was on full display, and we could see, you know, you could see those skills live. Uh, one thing I notice a lot that he needs to work on is he tends to cut, he tends to uh, go east and west a lot, and he also tends to backtrack to try and get away from people. Um, that, that sometimes there's. Several plays I noticed where he lost yards because he tried backtracking to get away from a defender and try and beat them to the outside. But that doesn't really work in the NFL. That might work in college, but it doesn't work here. Yeah, um, I agree with everything 100%. 
I'm not going to touch on P. Ryan and Mixon because the sample size was small. I will say, P. Ryan, please, hold on to the football. I'd appreciate it. But outside of that, I really like what I saw from both of them. Jacquez Patrick, Blake, actually, you mentioned him last episode, and I hadn't really heard much about him, but we all learned his name real quick. He did what he had to do. He did what we know he could do. Well, I didn't know he could do, but apparently Blake did. Going into the game, he wasn't the Chris Evans type, catch out of the backfield, pass block, all that. But he's a bruiser. You know, he'll go, he'll fight after contact, he'll get some extra yards, and he did that, like Nathan mentioned. He had some big runs to close out the game and drain the clock. Um, Chris Evans, I like what I saw of him, especially pass blocking. There were some times where he picked up blitzers where I was like, that's some Giovanni Bernard type stuff. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's keep doing it. Um, out of the backfield, catching-wise, he made some nice moves. Again, the stats won't really pop or anything because I don't know how many catches he really had. There's only so much room for catches and yards. But um, I he had four catches oh. for 33 yards. I mean, you take it. Also, but, to uh, touch on uh, the pass blocking that you mentioned, real quick, I just want to say, yeah, PFF he had he had eight uh, snaps that he had he's dropped back into the I mean not dropped back he went back into the backfield and protected he had eight pass pro snaps PFF ranked him as our third best pass blocker on um, Sunday I mean Saturday I think he had a 70 pass blocking grade if I'm not I believe it was 79 79 okay it was on it was third on the team though that's the point I'm getting at yeah, that sounds about right. He was phenomenal. I also do what Nathan said about the whole trying to get to the edge. It just doesn't work in the NFL. You know, all these guys with that do on their college teams, they're just too fast for that. It's just not going to work. Sometimes you got to cut your losses. Here. And he's going to learn that. It's going to come with experience. I think when he watches the film, because he's been staying up to practice, I think he's the type of guy to just sit back and really watch himself and try to get better. He'll see that like, okay, let's relax here. I'm not back in Michigan. Rutgers is not going to pop out of the tunnel. I need to relax and take my losses. I think one of the main things I was looking at with the running back core was finding who is going to be this Giovanni Bernard replacement because Giovanni Bernard was pretty clearly our best pass blocking running back and definitely the most effective when it came to uh, pass catching from the backfield. And I was looking to see who can replace that the best. And one thing I did notice and did mark down, and uh, shout out to Jake Lisko on Twitter. He also noticed it very well. Joe Mixon, on a pass protection play, actually blocked Ndamukong Sue and did not allow a pressure, which is extremely impressive coming from a running back to go against Ndamukong Sue and not allow a pressure. So I was, I was fairly impressed with the few snaps Mixon did get. Especially P. Run, on the other hand, the fumble, of course, was was quite concerning. I wasn't very happy with that. And he really just didn't do much in this few times uh, he played as well. But I do think with uh, Chris Evans, um, though he only had, I believe, two point, uh, I don't know the exact stat, it was like 2.3 yards per carry. I mean, not a lot at all. Um, I, I did think he had a pretty strong game on the ground as well. I, I did. I do understand t- you talking about the East and West, uh, him going a little bit too far uh, outside the sticks to try to uh, to try to get more yardage and end up losing yards. That was a, I did, it was a problem I needed, but or I did notice. But I, I do think that, to be quite honest, the offensive line did not block 
too great for him uh, at that point. The right side of the offensive line was pretty weak in, from the majority of the game uh, for the Bengals, especially in run blocking. And that proved to be a bit of an issue for Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans' first rush, whenever he bounced to the outside, managed to get uh, a four or five yard gain on a third and one was amazing. That amazing spin move he made. And he's going to be a very shifty and good receiver. Um, one thing that I was really, really happy with Chris Evans is watching him in the passing game. He managed to get open a lot. Very good route runner, very good hands, very good in open space. Uh, he really came to that Giovanni Bernardo replacement, and with that pass blocking capabilities, I, I like him a lot. I'm very, very happy with with Chris Evans. I think with Jack Patrick, you really have a guy that is going to be a downhill runner. He's just going to go straight downhill. Uh, he's going to get you yards, and especially in that third down and short situations where Jack Patrick was just just storming down a hill. And at the end of the game, it was ended up being you know. Uh, I believe one minute left and you just needed to convert a third down and he ends up running for 20 yards to, to seal the game. So I was really impressed with his game. I think that he can be a very, very key piece for the team uh, or um, very key piece in the practice squad if a player were to go down in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying about Evans. I think, you know, looking throughout this offseason and throughout training camp, we've always been trying to find, you know, who's going to be that next Geo, who's going to be you know, maybe a pass catching back. Everyone's expecting maybe Mixon could step up and take a huge pass, um, pass catching role out of the backfield. Uh, then we're also looking for pass protector. Um, you know, nobody really knew who that was going to be, who that was going to end up being, who's going to step up. But like you said, I think Chris Evans really is starting to reach for that bar, trying to get to the, get to that expectation and maybe be the next. Not necessarily Geo, but the next version of Geo for our team. Um, I think, like you, like everyone said, he really shined in the receiving game. And speaking of receiving, I think the whole receiver core did really well. Nobody really shined. Nobody's stat, stat sheets, you know, bouncing out and looking amazing. But I think everybody did really good. Namely, Trent, Trent Irwin, which I, I think had a really good game despite, you know, his stats not looking like he had an amazing game. Yeah, that's, that's a good segue into what we're talking about next, the wide receiver core. Um, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of wide receivers got um, got targeted uh, in today's game. I think the only player that did not out of the group might have been Trenton Irwin. Uh, as uh, Trenton, Ta- or, excuse me, Trenton Irwin, Trent Taylor. As uh, Irwin caught three receptions for 35 yards, Mike Thomas with two receptions for 32 yards. Jamar Chase with a 16-yard reception. Stanley Morgan with two receptions for 16 yards. I can go down the list. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Scotty Washington, Auden Tate all got a catch. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox as well got two catches. I mean, a a lot of wide receivers and tight ends got involved in the passing game. And um, overall, you know, I don't think it was anyone who particularly stand out. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Trent Trent Irwin, as you mentioned. Um, He seems to do this every year. You know, he just comes in, uh, a guy that we always kind of forget is there at the back of the roster. Uh, He comes up and ends up being big for the team on the third team. He ends up uh, getting three or four receptions for 30, 40 yards a game. Uh, And he's pretty consistent at it. And you know, right now, I think he's in a battle for that wide receiver six, wide receiver seven spot, and I'm not leaving him out. He's right there with Stanley Morgan, Trent Taylor, all those guys for that spot. And, you know, this is the last year, I believe, where he is eligible for the main practice squad spot. There are still four extra slots available for veterans. I think he can qualify for that, but not for the other ones. So this really is my, this might be a do or die 
offseason for him. And, and his performance was pretty good this time around. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I was also really impressed, though, talking about, about receivers with Stanley Morgan, of course, coming out there, uh, having two receptions and still being the special teams demon he is. Nathan, I know you're a huge fan of, of him, and I, I really liked his performance today or yesterday. Uh, and I was also really impressed with Jamar Chase and uh, you know the entire group in general. Each of them got a reception. Each of them got, I believe, a 16-yard reception, actually, uh, and left the field right after. They just wanted their catches. I thought it was pretty cool to see T. Higgins not get a catch the first drive, and so he comes back out the second drive and gets the first catch of the of the of the drive there. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I have a lot of faith in this wide receiver core. I think they can all be really good, uh, and, and depth looked pretty good today as well or yesterday. Yeah, I think we all know about the three main guys: Boyd, Higgins, Chase. But I think you look at Trent Irwin, Scotty Washington, and all those guys. Our wide receiver six slash seven, who obviously you don't want them on the field. They're six seven for a reason, but I feel like they'll be better than most teams. Wide receiver six slash seven, like we said with Trent Irwin, this is a big off season for him. And what'd you say? Like three catches, thirty something yards. That doesn't include the absolutely huge game he had that was called back because somebody I can't remember who it was. I apologize. Had a holding call, so. He had a fantastic game. Now, granted, you know, he's playing against the third team, but he's also with the third team. So he's dealing with the third team QB, you know, third team offensive line, try to give him some time, which they didn't do much of that at all. And we'll get to that later. So I think overall, just top to bottom, like you said, Jamar had a catch, T had a catch, Boy had a catch. It was good seeing everybody eat. Everybody do some things. Mike Thomas, he had some catches, although this was not a great game for him. Not that the stats deceive you. He really wasn't that great. Um, but just everybody had a catch. Everybody got some yards. It's just, it just feels good seeing everybody, you know, gain a little bit. Mike Thomas had a key fumble uh, in, in the first, in the second drive of the game that resulted in, uh, of course, a, a, a turnover for the Bengals as well as allowing an interception that was eventually gained back by him after forcing another fumble. So, uh, you know, yeah, pretty up and down game for Mike Thomas. I thought he did respond pretty well after those two mistakes that he did make, but those are definitely something that Bengals are going to recognize. Uh, and, and I think... You know, a lot of people expected Mike Thomas to be an automatic roster lock uh, once the Bengals resigned him this season, but I think it's far from that. I, I think there's definitely a scenario out there where a guy, some guy like Stanley Morgan, just shows that he is more valuable on special teams, can be just as good of a wide receiver on offense. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, him, you know, he really didn't do too much in the game, but. Of course, two receptions for 16 yards isn't too bad, especially playing for uh, a little bit for the second and third team. So he did have a chance to go out there and impress, and I think he did for all the, all things considered. So, uh, you know, overall, just a pretty strong game. I wanted to see a little bit more of Scotty Washington, and, of course, we did have Puka Williams out uh, with an injury, which who I was really looking forward to seeing and actually had some player of the game before uh, we realized he was out. But uh, I, I was pretty excited to see Scotty Washington, and I was disappointed he didn't get to play too much. Uh, but I do think it's certainly possible that we might see him a little bit more in week two and three. Yeah, I I think just the whole wide receiver core from top to bottom is filled with a whole bunch of different guys that just need need to get playing time, and we need to see what they are. Hopefully, like you mentioned, Scotty Washington gets a little more playing time next preseason game because um, I'd like to see what he can do. I think the top, you know, the top five spots we already have locked in. Chase Boyd, Higgins, Tate, and then Trent Taylor. So everyone's fighting for that sixth and seventh spot if we carry seven, which I think we will. Um, you know, 
right now it seems like Irwin's probably Irwin and Irwin, Morgan and Thomas are probably all the ones, you know, the top competitors right now. Obviously, subject to change week by week, practice by practice. But right now it's a battle between them and Irwin probably has the edge of all of them after a really good game. And Thomas, you know, not helping his case with that bad, that bad fumble. I think everybody in general was struggling with ball control. I think we had four fumbles, I believe, maybe four, three or four. Um, I believe yeah, it was fumbles. It was four fumbles, one from P. Ryan, one from Thomas, one from Shermer, and a botched snap that was a fumble. Okay. And we also had, you know, two picks. So ball control was an issue. Obviously, you know, it's not the starters. Can't expect them to have a perfect perfect game with ball security. But that is something I'd like to see get better as the weeks progress in preseason. And hopefully, you know, you know, you want these guys to be you know, you can't go a season without a single injury. Somebody's gonna get hurt and you'd want to have guys coming in that can handle the ball without turning the ball over. Yeah, moving over to the tight end core now. That's just something that Will pointed out in the in the uh, I guess pregame podcast, uh, the third podcast episode, uh, talking about how he was really interested in seeing these backup tight ends and how they performed. So we finally got to see him today, and it, it really did feel like there was one guy that kind of had the edge over the others. Uh, Cheyenne O'Grady did not play in this game, and I do not believe Pro Wells played either, who was released today, actually. A uh, bit of breaking news there. Pro Wells is no longer with the team. But, um, you know, a, a pretty strong performance from Thaddeus Mossval, uh, the tight ends. I believe he had one catch for 16 yards, or uh, for 14 yards, excuse me. And he did perform pretty solid on special teams and was able to uh, see the field quite a bit throughout the game. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox had two receptions, but due to catching the ball and getting tackled almost immediately, he had zero yards uh, total in receptions. So not really any net yards for, uh, for um, uh, Wilcox. And, and as formation Shrek, he had, I believe had been targeted once and did not catch the ball. Uh, but, but Shrek twice. did play a lot on special teams twice, excuse me. Uh, but he had not caught the ball at all. So really kind of feel like Moss maybe created maybe a little bit of separation there to tie it in three, uh, spot. What are you guys' thoughts on on Moss? And I know Will, you're a little bit disappointed that CJ Uzama didn't get impressed as much, but uh, you know we didn't get to see a lot of sample or or Uzama. But just give me your thoughts on the tight end three spot and where it's at as of now. Prior to training camp, I think me and you were very big fans of CJ O'Grady. Uh, we were expecting him to take over the Seaton Carter Ryan Hewitt type role, you know that almost fullback tight end hybrid. We were expecting him to be the the most fitting of that role um, coming in. But as uh, the training camp, as training camp progressed and as this game uh, went over the course of, you know, being played, I think, you know, we, we realized that he's not, he's not really in contention right now. It's Moss Wilcox and who's the, um, the other one that's in contention. Uh, Shrek. Shrek, yeah. Moss, Wilcox, and Shrek. You know, we, me, and, me and Blake were expecting O'Grady to get that role, but it's actually going to be one of those three that seemed like they're going to get the role. Um, like you said, Moss had Moss probably had the best game of everyone. Shrek didn't get a catch, like you said. Um, Wilcox didn't get any yards. Uh, 
Um, it wasn't it wasn't really a really spectacular game for anyone. It was kind of quiet for all the tight ends. Nothing nothing much to speak of. Some nice special team snaps, like you mentioned from Moss, but you know nothing nothing really crazy or wild. Before we step on the wheel real quick, let me let me go ahead and say Mason Shrek did play with the first team special teams. So that is pretty big news, I think. Darren Simmons, unfortunately, was not there due to his father passing away. He had attended the funeral uh, on Saturday. But um, I, I do think Mason Shrek being with the first team special teams does say something. Moss did not play with the first team special teams. Uh, but I would like to say Moss, I think, did perform pretty well uh, on the special teams whenever he was out there. Yeah, I think uh, we touched on last episode how, Blake, you mentioned to me that the best tight – I mean, not best tight end. Duh. The best special teams player is probably gets that slot. I think, like you said, Shrek running with the first team on special teams, that is pretty big news. I do agree with Nathan that when you kind of look at all that, you know, went down with tight end group, you could probably say that Ace Moss had the best game. You know, he didn't exactly have a Gronkowski ex – Esque performance, but you don't expect that out of him. It's preseason. You know, he's fighting for tight end three spot. So I guess it's out of the committee. You take his game and, you know, you take that. He separates himself just a little bit. There's still a lot of camp left. There's still two weeks of preseason left. So I think nobody really did anything enough. Nobody to say, okay, he's really got a big edge in this battle. I still think we'll just, we'll get the best guy. I think we'll get it right because there's still a lot of practice slash preseason slash camp and all that good stuff to be played. I had a ported, reported originally uh, b- before the, the preseason game that Moss and Wilcox seem to be the front runners for the tight end three spot. And if basing it off of that, it really does feel like uh, Moss had a pretty clear edge over Wilcox in the battle uh, after the preseason week one game. But I do think um, Mason Strike starting for the first team special teams could be telling because uh, that, that leads me to believe that he is trusted more on special teams over Moss and uh, Wilcox, which could definitely play a factor. But we'll have to see of course it's still two more preseason games to be played so moving over to probably the most important position on the offensive side and something that I think all of us were were keeping an eye on for the most part the offensive line Um, a a lot to digest or to uh, break down and uh, and digest here but I I would like to say for one Deontay Smith like a beast he was an absolute stud I mentioned earlier with the Chris Evans being our third highest graded pass protector um, Deontay Smith was our first graded pass protector, according to PFF. He played both left guard and a little bit of left tackle at the very tail end of the game. Um, and I thought he did really good at, in both positions. He was the one thing that I noticed the most that stood out to me is he was really good. He was really good at getting to the second level and creating second level blocks in opening lanes. I think his athleticism was on full display in that game, showing his ability to block anyone on the field that got in his way. Yeah, I agree. Deontay Smith, in terms of just the backups, is probably the O-line MVP trophy winner. Again, just with the backups. He was fantastic. I mean, we knew he was raw coming out of ECU, but he's had that big frame, and we all knew that he just needs some coaching. And Frank Polak... He hasn't had him for, you know, not even a full offseason, but I think it's shown that, hey, you know, now he's getting some technique down and now he's going somewhere else. Before we touch on why I think we all want to get to Jackson Carmen, 
I do want to point out two things. Jonah Williams, especially on the screen to Jamar Chase, was fantastic. Seeing him get out there and run with the receivers and lay some blocks down, give Jamar some room, that was fantastic. I think Jonah Williams is going to have a really improved year. He's going to have a big step up. And I think he'll solidify that franchise left tackle role. Billy Price, I, I will admit, I didn't you know sit there with my magnifying glass on Billy Price, but he was the starter with Trey Hopkins out. I thought he played pretty well. I've been very harsh on Billy Price on this podcast. If I'm saying that he should be bullied by Tyler Shelvin to say he's a cut candidate, I've been pretty harsh on him. But he did play well, and I think that's something that he can carry on. Maybe, you know, he gets some valuable practice reps. And with the ACL injury Trey Hawkins had last year, obviously you hope he doesn't get hurt. But if he does, maybe Price can be competent. Maybe he can, you know, just be serviceable. And that's all I can ask out of him. <laughs> Let's slow down. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm just, totally just, joking. Just, just a little serviceable. Just a little bit. <laughs> I'm just fine. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, Billy Price actually had a, a very strong performance, and he did play a lot in, in the game. He played with the first and second team. It was only uh, until the third team where Keaton Sutherland got the snaps to the center, and uh, we, we could we could talk about Keaton Sutherland a little bit. It was not the most impressive performance for him, but Billy Price, I thought, all things considered, performed really well at the first team, and I was pretty impressed with his performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Goodberry actually said that if it was his choice after watching this preseason game, Billy Price would be the starter at center, and he'd see Trey Hopkins move to right guard which is high praise from a guy that has been very critical on on billy price throughout the process uh of his career so um i I do think it was a pretty strong game for billy price but as you mentioned i think the next biggest topic that we want to discuss a little bit is jackson carmen because um of course being the third string right guard right now with the team being the second round pick he is we were both very all of us were very very um i i guess uh critical of the pick in the second round um he did not have the strongest of games. He had a couple of really good blocks uh, in the run game, I think, but pass blocking overall was not very impressive. And you got to keep in mind, this is third string players. You know, as a second round pick, you just got to be better than that. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody dislike. I think everybody disliked the pick. That's not really up for debate or anything. But at this point, he's on the team. We could have had this player, this player, that player, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's all in the past now. He's on the team. We need to see his development through, and we need to hope he becomes the best player he can be. Um, you know, we were, we all knew the development might take a while, or the the switch, excuse me, from tackle to right guard might take a while to, uh, you know, fully get used to this new position. I think we we may have underestimated how long that might take. Because it definitely still seems like he's getting used to the position. and There's still a lot of nuance he doesn't know about. So maybe he's behind. Maybe we underestimated how long it would take. But either way, it does appear that he's not fully... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Ready? No, no, no. There's another word. I can't think of what it is. But... um doesn't look like he's accustomed. accustomed. He's not fully accustomed to the position yet. He's still he's still just struggling at the position. He doesn't look like a guard yet. He looks like a tackle playing guard. If that's the I think that's the best way to describe it. He just looks like a tackle playing guard. He's not ready yet. He's not accustomed to the position. He did make some nice plays on that um Chris the yeah Chris Evans touchdown that first touchdown we had, 
uh, on the goal line, he made a really nice block to seal out his defender and make a lane. Ultimately, Chris Evans didn't go down the way he blocked, but still, it opened a nice lane, a nice hole in the defense to just jump over and get into the end zone. Yeah, you hit it on the head. I mean, I get it's only preseason, but that's kind of the point. He's playing these guys that are backups, and they're fighting for a roster spot. He should dominate those guys. I understand he's moving the guard, but when he's your second-round pick, especially when you needed a guy on that interior next to, well, I should say next to, on the other side of Quentin Spain, he should dominate those guys. And, yeah, like Nathan said, it wasn't all bad with the Chris Evans touchdown. He bulldozed the guy. But he's just got to be better. I said first episode that you can really argue there's no rookie with more pressure on them than Jackson Carmen, given the circumstance and where he was drafted. And he just has to be better. You know, Nathan called him, you know, looks like a guard playing, a tackle playing guard, excuse me. He is. He's a tackle playing guard, and he's just not ready for it. I think we all underestimate how long this would take. And with the state of our offensive line, yes, it's improved. But we really just don't have the time for our second round pick to just not be ready. He had he can't, obviously he's not gonna be a Pro Bowl year one. He's not Quentin Nelson. That's not what he's gonna do. But at least be a decent starter, or at least just be the best out of XFF and Michael Jordan. That's all we're asking of you. And you don't want to hit the panic button because it's the preseason. You never hit the panic button for the preseason. But my, my hand's getting closer and closer every day to that big red panic button, and I'm just not here for it. I, I think overall, though, uh, looking at it as a whole for Cincinnati Bengals, of course, no sacks allowed, which I think is huge. You know, you, you do have a couple of quarterback hits, and of course you have that huge hit by Joe Tryon that ends up getting called back due to an unnecessary roughness call. Um, but, you know, that was primarily due to Gunnar Vogel, who had a very rough game. Uh, but overall, you know, no sacks allowed. So all things considered, um, not perfect by any means, but I, I think it was a, a solid performance from the entirety of the offensive line. Um, a couple of guys that struggled, like I said in particular, we can we could talk about Carmen being one of those guys for sure, but uh, I think also Gunnar Vogel and Keaton Sutherland, maybe even also Trey Hill, who had that pretty key fumble uh, at one point that was recovered by Deontay Smith. Um, I think those are some guys that did struggle in particular a little bit. Uh, and I think some of the big winners, uh, Isaiah Prince, I think, is continuing to have a pretty strong camp and had a pretty good preseason game. Uh, he is really inserting himself into that swing tackle spot. Uh, you know, the Bengals generally like to take four tackles with them onto the roster. And uh, you, you would assume Fred Johnson is the third guy right now with Deontay Smith being one of the uh, playing at guard a lot now at this point. Uh, there might be a possibility that Isaiah Prince maybe finds his way onto the roster as that fourth offensive tackle. And he performed pretty well, all things considered, uh, in replacement of Fred Johnson, who was out for the game because it took a Buccaneer. So I was pretty impressed with him. And, and I would also like to shout out Quentin Spain, who I think, another, again, whenever he played, had a pretty strong game. Uh, and I I thought he performed pretty well, but Michael Jordan still getting a lot of first team snaps didn't do too bad himself. Um, overall, though, I, I think a pretty solid performance from the offensive line, despite a few guys who didn't do too well. Yeah, for what it's worth, with the Joe Tryon play, I that I think that play should have stood. I didn't agree with penalty, but that's besides the point. Um, we kept our quarterbacks up right all day, and for. For facing a defensive line like Tampa's, which is such a strong defensive line, I don't think Shaquille Barrett played. He might have. I don't remember. But I, I don't think he did. I don't think they had their full line together. But either way, being able he to did keep play. your quarterback. He did? Okay. Well, yep. either way, being able to keep your 
quarterback upright, even in a small sample size. I think that's definitely noteworthy, especially for a line like ours after coming off of a very terrible season like last year. I think it's very noteworthy to to point out that we managed to stand our ground against a defensive line as strong as Tampa Bay's defensive line. Um, like you said, Michael Jordan, I think, not necessarily impressed me, but he, I think he did a lot better than I was expecting him to. Same with Billy Price. And um, Isaiah Prince, like you mentioned, is having a pretty good camp and has also performed really well uh, in that last game. So he could make it onto the team. He could sne- sneak on. Um, we'll just have to see if he can keep it up in the next two games. I'm just really glad Blake's here to give a positive spin on this whole thing. Like you <laughs> mentioned. Um, no QB hits. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the goal. Keep your quarterback clean. And, you know, there were some pretty ugly performances. Gunnar Vogel, Jackson Carmen, all that. I'd like to clarify, there, there's two QB hits, but no sacks. Okay, well, we'll take that too. Um, at the end of the day, you want to keep your quarterback off of the ground and no sacks, you take that. You know, our big win against the Titans last year, I believe we allowed no sacks. So if you want to beat these top-level teams, and obviously I wouldn't call the Bucks second team, you know, uh, a top-level team, but you take what you can get. And giving up no sacks, that's what you do. And they did the job. That's all I can ask for. The Bengals most certainly won the sack battle, having 13 quarterback hits and four sacks. Pretty much the MVPs of the preseason right now. The defensive line of Cincinnati Bengals. Both Darius Hodge and Joseph Osai had some unreal games. Very impressive between the two of them. I think they had, between the two of them, I think they had either 10 or 11 total QB pressures. Five coming from Osai, and then six, five, five. or six, five, five coming from the Hodges. Yeah. Um, Hodges had three QB hits, I believe. He had five. Oh, he also had, okay, yeah. <laughs> he had one and a half sacks, and then what was the three tackles? Uh, three yeah. total tackles, one tackle for loss. Yeah, okay. And then, um, then over with Osai, he had what, well, I believe he was credited with one sack, but it, it was kind of a it was kind of a half sack with Hendrickson. They both applied equal pressure, both got to Brady at about the same time, both brought him down. It doesn't really matter. The point is that the defensive line, especially the rookies, all really shined. Hodge, um, Sample, Osai, Shelvin in the run game, he did really well. I think the whole D line, mainly the rookies really showed off in this game and really did well. Osai was everywhere in that first half. Um, unfortunately, he had the injury that short that took him out of the game early. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. But overall, it was very impressive for defensive line, especially after coming off a season where we only had 17 sacks. I was, I'm going to say pleasantly surprised with the rookie defensive lineman, because we drafted a bunch of them to make some plays. But I was very pleased with how they played. Like Nathan said, Joseph Osai was absolutely fantastic. And I probably give my player the game award. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was everywhere. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, he was just, he was doing what he does. He's a big body. He 
you know, takes up space. He stops the run, and that's what he did. Um, Darius Hodge was right there with Osai. Both of them played absolutely fantastic. Actually, I think this might be uh, Hodge's second season. I don't know. First. But either way, still very impressive. And Cam Sample, I'm glad he's mentioned at the end by Nathan because I thought he had a very underrated game. You know, he had a big hit in the first half, a lot of pressures, and ultimately the game winning sack. So for what we drafted these guys at, you know, I think they played really well. Yeah, this is Hodge's rookie season, and very impressive to see how he performed uh, in, in the game. He was actually mentioned by one of the Bengals' defensive line assistants as a name to keep an eye out for, an underrated name that could maybe uh, shock a lot of fans, and that was before the game. And, of course, he really did show out and have a very impressive game. So Darius Hodge is certainly going to be uh, a name to remember uh, in the upcoming preseason games. He was arrested uh, at one point a couple of weeks ago due to – some, I believe domestic or some uh, uh, battery charges, I believe. But um, he, I, I think as far as I know, all that is cleared and he is playing football and uh, is all good to go out there. So it was very impressive to see how he performed. But without a doubt, very, very strong performances from all the rookies. Joseph Osai, uh, Darius Hodge, and Cam Sample all having some key sacks and good plays throughout the game. Uh, it's also worth noting, uh, Imani Bledsoe was credited for half a sack with Darius Hodge at one play as well. Uh, and, and so just an overall pretty strong performance from, from the entirety of the group. Uh, I do think we did see a little bit of, of um, Mike Daniels and DJ Reader, who I think both performed pretty well, and, and a little bit of uh, Josh Tupau, who we haven't seen since covid uh, who also came out there and performed a little bit, played a little bit of defensive end as well, which is pretty uh, notable and interesting to see. So uh, nothing too much for those guys. They played a limited snaps, but they did go out there and, and do, did perform pretty well, I think all things considered. But um, Nathan mentioned it earlier, and let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Joseph Osai's injury, um, nothing confirmed as of this podcast. We might happen once we release it. I'm not too sure. Um, there is current speculation among some Bengals writers that it could be a fracture, but nothing is confirmed just yet. Um, it did happened in the third quarter i believe uh it could have been off of one of his sacks I, I might be wrong but i believe it was off of one of his sacks he did injure his wrist and um he's on, he has a cast on right now did do post-game interviews with uh, dan horde and some other guys so it is worth noting that he was not um in an immediate attention for help but as I said, did have a cast on and is expected to get further evaluation from Cincinnati. So I uh, hope, hope everything's good there. But uh, overall, it's a really strong, good game for Osai. I think it's worth noting, even if he does have a fracture, if the MRI comes back and shows he does, or at worst, maybe a break, uh, fractures normally take about three weeks to heal. Um, for, a young, for a young player like him, he should be able to heal – uh, adequately and just fine. So there's a chance. There's a chance we still could see him uh, week one, it, even if he does have a fracture wrist. Even if it isn't healed by week one, there's a another possibility that he wears a club. Although we don't know if he would. That's up to Osai, uh, the coaches and the trainers to determine if he should wear a club or not. Similar to what JPP. Uh, war after his firework incident. Um, that's up in the air for later. Right now, we just need to see what the injury is. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to really get a good gauge on this because, like Blake said, nothing's confirmed. Um, and even if it was, I'm not exactly a doctor. So, I mean, this is being recorded at about midnight, so well, 
going into Monday, so we don't know. Like Blake said, we're still in the dark here. Um, but it, it, you know, you just hope for the best. He showed out, and like Nathan said, fractures should take about three weeks. So you hope that it's not broken. You hope it's just a fracture, and you just gotta hope for the best. I would like to clarify, it, it's not even guaranteed to be a fracture. There's still the possibility that it could yeah, just be a sprain. Yeah, that's up in the air. Right now, it's mainly, a lot of it is mainly speculation that from from what I've seen, primarily Dave uh, Lapham, that it's he thinks maybe it's a fracture. He It's more assumptions right now. Everything, everything's still up in the air. That That's not saying that it's not a fracture. It's very well could be. But again, everything's just up in the air right now. Nothing is confirmed. We don't know for sure anything. There's a possibility it's fractured. We don't know that yet. It's very likely. I believe the Cincinnati Bengals are already back uh, in Cincinnati right now. So it's very likely he will be going through testing uh, on Monday or Tuesday. And it is likely we probably do hear something about him. But I think one thing's uh, almost for certain. It's likely Joseph Osai is going to be shut down for the final two preseason games. So, But his first performance was very promising. And I'm very excited to see what he has to be uh, or for what he's going to be in the future. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter were just very, very impressed with his burst and being able to basically shoot out of a can goes 100 percent at all times and of course the rookie sacking tom brady in his first i believe it was the first snap he played in the preseason game uh coming out on third down against tom brady and getting a huge sack against tristan Wirfs, who notably was, in his career has only had one it, sack allowed against khalil mack he was also probably a top three right tackle last year even as a rookie he was very impressive um he was a big factor in that Super Bowl team in Tampa. Um, like you said, he only allowed one sack, and that was to Khalil Mack. He went up against, I can't remember. He's gone up against Brian Burns, Joey Bosa, um, Trey Cam, Jordan, Cam, Jordan, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson. A lot, of, a lot of very notable names, and he's only allowed just the one sack to Khalil Mack. Um it looked like it was supposed to be the uh, the play in preseason. It looks like it was supposed to be an edge tackle stunt, and the guard was just slow on picking up um, Osai. So I guess it's not all on Wirfs, but it's still very impressive to be able to beat Wirfs in, like he, I think you said, his first ever snap in the preseason and get a sack on Tom Brady, which I'm sure felt good to sack the greatest player of all time. That's just got to be so wild. Like, if you're just on side, like, you grew up, like, Tom Brady's been winning Super Bowls your entire life, and, like, your first drive, you sack him. I can't imagine what that feels like. But, again, you know, we hope it's for the best. Things confirmed yet. And we're not exactly doctors around these parts. So, we're just hoping for the best. I would like to say on Dan Hort's podcast, Joseph Osai did get interviewed, uh, and, and he did say that in the huddle, he just looked over and saw Tom Brady and was just anxious. He saw he lined up against Tom, Rob Gronkowski and just was like, wow, I'm really playing against these guys. And it's pretty surreal seeing that Joseph Osai, who is 21 years old, the youngest Bengal on the roster, is sacking a guy that is over half of his age, a 44-year-old Tom Brady, which I think is really, really cool and notable to look at, just the, the big age difference between the two um i would like to say tom brady did fall pretty quick i think the average nfl quarterback probably um it might have had a little bit more of a chance to escape that but at the same time 
I think it is very notable that Joseph Osai pretty clearly beat the Buccaneers offensive line, which was statistically one of the better offensive line in the NFL last year. And that is very, very promising for his future. So we spent a lot of time on the defensive line. Let's move over to the linebacking core. Um, I think the notable name out of this group that performed the best was Joe Bocci, uh, the undrafted free agent picked up from the New Orleans Saints. I really liked his performance, but also pretty strong performances from Marcus Bailey and Jordan Evans. Um, well, Jordan Evans, I thought, had a pretty shaky game. He was, early in the game specifically, he was picked on a lot in coverage. They were targeting whichever zone or man he was covering, and they were to pretty good success. Um, he started to step it up as the game went on. He got more, uh, he solidified himself more, and, you know, they stopped picking on him. I think he got better as the game went on. Uh, like you said, Bocce uh, was really impressive as well. He had some bad plays, just like Evans. Um, the linebacker core as a whole, you know, it's nothing impressive. It's you know, you, you look around the league, linebacker core to linebacker core. We have one of the one of the bottom half, one of, one of the worst ones in the league. Not the worst, but you know, one of the lesser ones. That's the word I'm looking for. One of the lesser ones in the league. Um, I was most impressed with Bocce. I remember Blake was a pretty big fan. If I'm not mistaken, Blake was a pretty big fan of Bocce coming out of college two years ago, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, I was a, I was quite a big fan of, of Bocce. It was the same draft with uh, Logan Wilson, Marcus Bailey, and uh, King Davis Gaither. Uh, I did have, I believe it was a fourth-round grade on Bocce, um, as well as Marcus Bailey, and both of them ended up, Marcus Bailey, of course, being a seventh-round pick, and Bocce being an undrafted free agent. Um, kind of surprised me to see how much they both fell, but I'm very happy with both of them. I think they're both going to be pretty good players, possibly, in the future. I think this game for the linebacking core was very representative of what they are going into the season. A lot of youth out there, and there's still a lot of questions about who can and can't take that next step. I don't know how much we've really learned. Joe Bocci did have a good game. Jordan Evans was, you know, so-so. He had some bad plays in the past game, but he had a big run stop early in the game. Marcus Bailey, he did well. And I think Marcus Bailey, I feel like the reason he fell so much was because of his injury issues, the play was definitely there. If he can just stay healthy, I think he'll – I'm not going to say a big part because he won't be, but a nice rotational piece now linebacker core. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we've heard in camp he's been pretty improved. So if he can just stay healthy and be what he was and why, Blake, you gave him that fourth-round grade, I think will be a pretty sizable boost in linebacker core, especially with being as young as it is. I was like to get a veteran in there, but if it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. So we're just going to roll with the young guns and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I think overall, it's just a uh, a pretty promising group. You know, we we didn't see a lot from Jermaine Pratt or Logan Wilson, but both of them did come out and play, and of course, they did hold Tom in the defense. So overall, I think I was pretty happy with the linebacker core in general. I, I do. Think are definitely um, some rooms for improvement in certain spots for sure. Uh, I do think, um, but I do think I was really impressed with the running back or with uh, them stopping the running game. I think in total, Tampa Bay only had 23 yards rushing, which is super impressive. And I do think all the linebackers did play a big that. Akeem Davis Gaither is another guy that I did think had a pretty solid game as well. Uh, all of them were pretty big 
prime com, com, uh, or, or were pretty big contributors to special teams. So I, I think overall it's a pretty balanced game for the linebackers. Nothing too uh, over the top or impressive for any of them. No particular plays, but they were definitely solid. And I, I would like I give a quick shout out to all those guys. So. Moving on next to the cornerback room, uh, and, and I do think that this one does have a couple of winners and losers in particular that we need to talk about. Uh, for starters, you know, I, I believe that the starting group was very impressive. And of course, Darius Phillips came in and had two big pass breakups, which I was very impressed with. And I did, th- I did think he pr- played pretty well. But um, late, you know, further down the list a little bit, definitely think Tony Brown struggled up quite a bit uh, in his first preseason game this year with the Bengals. And, and I do think uh, we did see a couple of guys get taken advantage of a little bit. Brandon Wilson's more of a safety, but he did get quite often targeted against and did get beat uh, quite a bit. Uh, and Jalen Davis, I thought, performed really, really well. And I've heard rumors that he might have pulled ahead a little bit in that cornerback six room. I think the secondary as a whole, everybody was pretty pretty good. This The, the team showed how, how deep the cornerback room is. We were, we were, we were sticking to receivers all game. I thought you know, getting down to the third team, even to the guys that would make up a fourth team, since we have so many secondary players, I think I think it was all impressive from top to bottom. We never really had much of a decline. Obviously, you know, their wide receivers are getting worse as they go down the teams from first to second to third. But as we're going down from first to second to third with our cornerbacks, we're not taking any noticeable father I mean longer falls than they are we're sticking with them the whole game and I thought just just in general the depth that we showed was very impressive especially you know guys like uh Darius Phillips and Jalen Davis like you mentioned they both they both played really good and the starting team also like you mentioned did really good I was I was impressed with Trey Wayne specifically you know throughout camp uh, he had some injuries, you know, sat out for some bits, some parts of the camp. And, you know, the main name we were hearing throughout camp was Chidobe, Chidobe Awuzie. Um, we were hearing about him throughout, throughout the entire camp from start to finish. Everyone was talking about how great he was. So coming out and seeing Trey Wayne still perform really well, kind of not necessarily shocked me, but kind of, Good spirit. It gave me good spirits knowing that, you know, even with a little bit of missed time and not much, you know, not much shining throughout camp per se, he still came out and performed really well. Uh, even with obviously barring, um, I mean, obviously with a small sample size, but still, I thought it was impressive. I think when you look at defense in general, if this team has one strength on defense, it- Secondary between the corners and the safeties, a lot of additions, a lot of guys back. I think the starters did play well. I thought Cheeto had a good game on the outside. Um, like Blake said, uh, Darius Phillips made some plays. I thought Winston Rose, um, he's on practice squad for about two years now, former CFL corner. I thought he made some nice plays on the outside. You know, obviously he wasn't with the wow, that was a starter, wasn't with the greatest sample size. But I feel like when he did get targeted, and it's a good thing not get targeted, so less targets the better. But when he did, I feel like he made some nice plays without getting flagged. And the way the flags were flying in that game, that's an accomplishment in itself, unless you're Tony Brown, because nothing worked for him, with all due respect. 
But I think when you look at the secondary, starters and depth-wise, you got a good group here. I, I would like to say uh, about Winston Rose. Uh, I mentioned it earlier with the tight ends. Uh, Winston Rose was with the first team special, special teams as well. So it's a, another thing to know as well as Tony Brown. So um, two of those corners were, were with the first team special teams. So if either of those uh, end up finding roster spots, it might be indicated through Darren Simmons. We could probably figure out that's probably why uh, they are on the roster because you know, like I always say, Darren Simmons usually tries to bring three or four guys every year just for, specifically for special teams uh, reasons. So we usually try to find a few of those guys that do play a lot on special teams and, and, and point out those guys as possible guys who can make the roster. So, um, yes, yeah, seeing Winston Rose uh, on the first team and or on the first team special teams and uh, quite a bit on defense was, uh, you know, pretty I was. For, for me, it was pretty exciting because I'm quite a big fan of Winston Rose and what he did in the CFL. So, um, you know, overall, I think it was a pretty fun performance for the from the quarterback room. I agree, do agree with what you said. I do think this cornerback and safety room might be the strength of the team, um, mainly due to depth reasons. I think this is a very, very deep roster with guys like Darius Phillips, Ricardo Allen, um, Brandon Wilson, uh, you know, a lot of these great uh, backups, I think, who can be key pieces to your team. Just a lot of guys who can perform it and, and do really well. So it is a very promising core in general. And hopefully uh, if Trey Waynes and Chidobe Awuzie continue to perform at a high level on the outside, uh, we already know Mike Hilton's a beast. They could be a very good core for the future. So um, wrapping up the defensive side of the ball, let's move on to safeties. Um, nothing too in particular with the first team, Jesse Bates and Von Bell did play, but nothing too great. Von Bell did have a really nice tackle that I was impressed with. Um, and, and I guess I believe uh, a run on a running play that I was, uh, I did point out and notice pretty well, but, after that, I do think Kayvon Frazier and Trayvon Henderson were two very underrated names. Both of them had an interception. Both of them had pretty good games. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the whole safety room, you know, everybody did, had a nice game. Obviously, you know, Bates and Bell had very, they had like one one series maybe, um, maybe two. I can't remember. They didn't neither. Bates didn't log a single stat. Um, he's free safety though, so. You don't want your free safety logging stats. You want to be able to, you know, it's his safety. You don't want your safety getting all the stats. Um, Bell, like you mentioned, he had a really nice tackle. It was right at the line of scrimmage, making a really nice stop on the run. Or maybe it was, maybe it was a yard up. I don't know. It was a good tackle, a good stop. Um, not much to speak of from them. It was solid. They were decent. Small sample size, but then going over to Kayvon Fraser and Trayvon Henderson, they both had really good games. Trayvon Henderson, uh, safety out of Hawaii, has been a guy that I really like. He's been on the team for two years now, I believe. He's a guy I always liked in that first season, his rookie year. Yeah, I thought he had a really good preseason. Um, unfortunately, he went down with an injury. And not not just because of the injury, but the injury definitely played in a played a part in it. He didn't make the team. Um, you know, he's back this year. I thought he was really good. He and Kayvon Fraser did a really good job. Um, they, like you said, both had picks. I think they were both really dumb when they were on the field. They were the most. You know, they were not really the stars per se, but they were definitely shining out. They were. You look at the field, you see all 11 guys on defense from us. They were the ones that were sticking out. They, I thought they had a really good game. 
Wilson, as you mentioned earlier with the cornerbacks, he was getting picked on a lot. Um, I didn't think he was necessarily concerning or bad. He's more of a, you know, special team uh, here and there, take a few snaps and as safety type guy. Nothing really concerned me about the way he performed, but he, it was worth noting he was getting picked on a couple times. Yeah, Frazier and Henderson both did have good games. Both had picks, like Nathan said. I don't know how much room is in that safety room and how much you're going to carry. Um, that's probably a, a blank question. But, you know, you have a good game. Put yourself on the map. You already have Bates, Bell, uh, Ricardo Allen, and Brandon Wilson, who's listed as a safety, but he's really our return guy. So how much room is there? I don't know. Outside of those two, though, there's really not much to talk about. So they did put themselves in a position to kind of build on this next preseason game. And if you string some good games together, who knows? Maybe make the roster, whether it's a uh, special teams guy or as an actual, you know, safety, death in the safety room. Who knows? But they both had good games, both forced turnovers. So, again, small sample size, but I'll say it again. You take what you can get. There has been a case made that maybe five safeties could go on the roster. I would like to throw that out. But – I do think it's really between five sa- five safeties and six corners. Uh, so it's really going to be one of the either, likely not both. So um, there is a possibility that we do maybe see Trayvon Henderson or Kayvon Frazier make the fifth safety. But I do think the four safeties that are going to make the roster are pretty much locked. As uh, Of course, we have Bates and Bell. Bates, um, Bell. Rick Allen is going to be a very key piece in the ba- as a backup safety. And of and course, Wilson. Brett Wilson. Is a star kick returner, so yeah, it's it's very likely, um, as you said, that you know those four safeties going to be automatic locks for the roster. But like I said, it's a possibility that maybe Henderson or Frazier sneak into the fifth uh, safety room. But I think right right now we're expecting both those guys to be competing for possible practice squad spots, and I think both of them did pretty did impress all things considered. Uh, of course, uh, Trayvon Henderson's been a part of this team for quite a while. Um, had a huge ACL injury in a year where he was maybe one of the favorites to make the roster as a four safety. Unfortunately, that's eventually when Brandon Wilson took the spot, ended up becoming one of the best kick returners in the league. So now he's working, he's trying to, trying to work his way back up into that contention. So, um, you know, we'll have to see if he can do that, but he definitely has an uphill battle ahead of him. So yeah, that's pretty much recaps all the offense and defense. Uh, we've been going at this for about an hour now. So let's, let's recap the special teams real quick. Evan McPherson and Austin Seibert, both making every single one of their field goals. Man, McPherson from 40 yards out just bobs it. That could have been made from 60. He's a beast. Bro, I don't think throughout camp, throughout preseason, everything I've watched from him, I don't think I've seen a kick where that doesn't go over the flags. Like, I mean, not over the flag, like literally over the flag, but I mean height-wise. I don't think I've seen a kick from him that didn't go over the flags. Every time I see it, it's not like barely making it. It's not hitting the, the exact middle uh, height-wise of the goalpost. Every single time, the ball is flying over the goalpost higher than the flags on the goalpost. He has so much strength. He, he can be good from... We can put him out there on the 70-yard line, bomb a kick if we need him to. Not really, but he's, he's very impressive. I... I'm confident he's going to make the team and we won't make the same mistake we did with Jordan Elliott and um, Randy Bullock. I know a lot of fans have you know, been concerned 
with the way cybert's been performing they're concerned that that scenario might happen again i'm very confident that that will not happen i i'm almost sure that he's a lock for the roster as of now and hopefully you know if we're lucky if cybert can keep performing really well and we can dangle him as trade bait get a seventh rounder trade him to some kicker and ed team <laughs> not likely but who knows Send him to the Colts. Is is this hot rod slander I'm hearing? Is is that we doing tonight? <laughs> I was just joking. I was just trying to find. I think I was told that the Colts needed a kicker. Am I crazy? Is is isn't hot rod hurt? Maybe. Am I crazy? I might be crazy. I have no idea. That that is. A, I mean, I would sure hope not. I mean, we all have hot. Nah, rod. I don't think he is. My brother is a Pan- Panthers fan. He had the Panthers game on. Panthers playing Colts. A um, lot of connections, but uh, but the point I'm getting at is there was a field goal attempted at the no no, no they the end of the game tie game eighteen eighteen Colts had the ball they were in the red zone with about like minute thirty uh, no timeouts for either side they took a couple knees ran the clock out to the end and then kicked one to win and Hot Rod was out there. So okay. I don't know where this this information is coming from. No, I might be wrong. But I believe he is healthy. Unless I, I he's was running to- out there. Unless he's running out there on a you know sore hammy. I, I know there's hammy. two. I know there's two teams that need a kicker really badly, and I, I know one of them's the 49ers. What's Vikings. the other one? Vikings. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, my fault. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was the Colts, <laughs> but yeah, no, I trade them to one of those teams. I'm sure they'll probably give us what a, a 2024 seven. Twenty twenty four seven. Hey, it's anything works. I have a trade proposal. I give you Austin Seibert. You give me a twenty thirty six seventh rounder. I do think one last key point I'm gonna make about special teams is the punt returning battle, which is definitely a, a key, uh, you know, thing to look out for right now. Um, no one's in specific really won that battle in my eyes. We did see Trent Taylor return one punt. Darius Phillips got his shot once. Um, but I do think there was one thing worth noting. Darius Phillips had a very good kick return for 40 yards. It got to about the 50-yard line. So that is definitely something that I, I wanted to point out and recognize. And Darius Phillips did have a pretty good return there. But, you know, overall, I really didn't feel like anyone made any uh, strides. I, I've been told Trent Taylor's the favorite right now, and Darius Phillips is right there as well. Uh, also, Riley Lease, a wide receiver, um, and I believe Reese Horn uh, are also a couple, and Trent Irwin are also getting chances at returning punts as well. But it really kind of feels like it's jobs between Trent Taylor and Darius Phillips right now. And, and Phillips did impress with his kicker turning abilities. I do just want to real quick mention with the whole kicker battle. I think y'all said everything that's to be said. They both made all their kicks, and McPherson has the leg. Uh, Legatron is back. But I just want to know who made the decision of who went to kick when. Because we have made a point on this podcast that all we want out of McPherson, well, not all we want, but the main thing we want is him to hit the short ones in crunch time. We had a kick up to with, like, what, like 15 seconds left? And I'm like, okay. Let's try out McPherson, you know, see what he's like in as close as you're really going to get in preseason without actually being down. And we tried out Cybert. Why? If I'm not mistaken, we were just alternating kickers for every single kick we did. Kickoff, you know, we did we did uh, McPherson. Very next uh, extra point or field goal opportunity, 
you go cyber and then the very next kickoff extra point or field goal opportunity we'd put out uh, McPherson and you know continue the pattern I could be mistaken though but I believe that was the pattern I don't think we had any plans like uh, we put XYZ kicker in for short distance XYZ for long distance etc I think we were just alternating every other kick I do know Cyber got the extra point and one field goal, and McPherson got two field goals. So both of them got two options, two chances to kick uh, in between the uh, the uprights. So I do believe Nathan's correct. I think it was just um, switching back and forth. But yeah, it pretty much recaps it. Um, you know, we can go over our overall thoughts. Uh, I, I do want to say though, I think we do should we should have an MVP for this game because we did predict one. Um, uh, you know, of course, Puka Williams and CJ Zama were not the MVPs at all. But I think my personal MVP, I know a lot of people like Osai's performance, but man, Darius Hodge was a beast. So I'm going to I'm gonna give it to Hodge, uh, and, and I'll go ahead and give a quick honorable mention to Jack Westpatrick, who I think also had a very strong performance. Uh, I'd say my player of the game, I can't pick a single player because Osai That's and lame. Hodge both had <laughs> bo- – huh? That's pretty lame. <laughs> I I think no no, but Hodge and Osai had such great games. Like they were, I know it's preseason, and take everything in a grain of salt in preseason. Nothing's really as big as it seems, but the two were just dominant. There was there's no no getting around the fact they were for the game that they were playing in. They were dominant when they were on the field. They made the absolute most of it. Um, so I I have to say both of them. The rookie edges, I'd say, minus Cam Sample. Cam Sample had a great game, but the, the, the other two rookie edges, I thought, were the players, the co-players of the game. Well, I will, during the D-line segment, I called Osai my player of the game. So I will give him the MVP award. Um, also, I know last episode, Blake asked me to, Give some quick thoughts at the end. Yes. So I'm going to do that now to save Blake some voice and save us all some time because I'm half asleep as it is. <laughs> and I'm going to use this time to make a, a PSA to everybody. I want you all to get prepared and take any precautionary measures ready for the impending Bengals Super Bowl. Um, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. We beat the Bucks. That's how <laughs> well, I'm going to go. <laughs> Yes, by, by the transit of property, the Bengals are Super Bowl 55 champions. Yes. so I'm gonna That's just how it works. If you have yeah. problems, email me. We're going to walk to Cincinnati. <laughs> email me. We're going to walk to Cincinnati. We're going to do a Jeff Ruby's, and we're going to have a big old party. Everybody brings something. I'm going to bring the chips. Blake's going to bring the dip. Nathan's going to bring the drinks. And we're going to have a big Super Bowl victory party, and it's going to be great. So just embrace yourselves now. Don't fight it. It's going to happen. If you just embrace it now, You'll save yourself a lot of time and a lot of struggle. I don't know if Nathan has an email, but you can find him on Instagram at <laughs> the underscore Bengals underscore daily. Look at that transition. I just want to throw that, that out there. I am so good at that. that. That's why you're talking. That's I'm saying. the king of transitions. Okay. Yeah. Go follow well, him on Instagram, since the underscore Bengals underscore daily. The and problem is bragging about your transitions makes the transitions look less good. Well, you gotta be nonchalant about it. Okay. All right, all right. I, I will next time. I'm sorry. Uh, also, go follow Will at Hooday underscore all day and at uh, on Instagram and at William C James twenty three on Twitter. And uh, go follow me at Stripe Pipe Bengals on Instagram and at Blake Jude seven fourteen on Twitter. Also, go check our website 
at BengalsInsiders.com. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh-huh. Hope you guys enjoy the post game. Bengals are victorious, 19 to 14 in the first preseason game. We're gonna have another episode later on this week. Thank you guys so much for joining, and have a wonderful day.